Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Before I knew Jesus, um, I guess it was before I really had a relationship with Jesus, because I've always grown up in a Christian home. My life centered around me trying to do my best to please others. I guess always make myself look like the good guy, and while making myself look like the good guy, the people that I thought were the bad guys, I would always bring down. That lifestyle began to let me down when I realized that I'm not the center of everything, um, and that even though I may look like I'm a better person, there was stuff inside might not have been to where people could see it, but it was to where I could see it and to where God could see it. I had heard the gospel many times before, like I said, but the first time I actually opened my ears to listen was my eighth grade year. I believe I took time to really pray and to extend my relationship with Christ because I wanted to know, I kept asking, what are you calling me to do? I guess the part of Christ's character that led me to accept him was his love and his care and his generosity. When I would see him giving to the outcasts or giving to the sinners or giving to the people that everybody would bring down or wouldn't want to be around, I would see that and I would say to myself, that's the kind of person that I want to be. I realized that he was calling me to use my time and talents to start something that would help underprivileged kids. And so that thing ended up becoming a 5K for Black Box International, which is a nonprofit organization that helps human traffic boys in the Dominican Republic. So right now I'm in the process of starting this 5K and it will be coming in June. It gives me hope for the future, knowing that He's always going to be right there, and I can talk to him whenever. He gives me joy, and so when I see that joy, I try to tell myself that I need to be the joy that Jesus was to others. What's up? How we doing? You doing good? Yeah? Thank you. Very encouraging. As Always. How are we today? Yeah? Warm, warm day outside. Now, uh, my name is Tyler, and I work here at Christ Church, and I want to introduce you to two of my favorite people in the world, okay? (laughs) That was a bold thing to say. No, my two sisters, okay? I have, there are some pictures. I have an older sister named Brittany, and I have a little sister named Cassandra, now, if you go to the Albuquerque mission trip this summer, check that out. Also, I didn't notice this until like a few minutes ago, but look at my hand. I don't know. I don't want to be in your way six years. It looks like I'm like trying to wave, like, but I'm nervous because I was all of junior high. Um, now, uh, yeah, that, uh, I don't know when that was. Let's just say it was, I don't know, last year. Um, now, if you go to Al- the Albuquerque missions trip, you and you watch the news, you may see my older sister because she is a news anchor in Albuquerque. So, Brittany Bade, if, if you go. Now, 
I uh, love my sisters, and I love getting to spend time with them. I just got to spend a good amount of time with them over Christmas. But, as you are probably very well familiar with if you have any siblings, it's not always feel like that as we were growing up. In fact, there were some times where it seemed like we were just constantly at each other's throats. And so, I texted them about a week ago asking them what some of the funny or cruel things were that we did to each other throughout our growing up, and I'm going to share them with you. And I... Don't judge me. Um, and these are all things that, uh, that I did to them. They told me about things that they did to me, but for the sake of my dignity, I'm not going to tell you. So uh, these are from both of my sisters. So this is the first one. We would watch WWE together. That was my little sister, which that's, that's bad enough on its own. Uh, watch WWE together and then try the wrestling moves. And I am much bigger than my sister, so she got hurt a lot. Uh, had the, uh, I had my little sister put on my football pads so I could hit her on the trampoline, um, which that was to practice for when I played D1 football. Uh, that didn't happen. I'm a terrible athlete. Uh, play the game on the swing. I don't remember this. Play the game on the swing where you and Brittany, my older sister, uh, would kick me as we were swinging, and whoever got me furthest won. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I don't know where my parents were in that situation. They were like, ah, just kicking each other in the spine, like, oh, he's like, I don't know. Uh, Ran, ran over my scooter while I was riding it with your quad or four-wheeler. I didn't hit her. She jumped off in time. It's fine. But I did get grounded. I got in trouble. Rightfully so. Uh, Pushing me down the stairs and dumping water on me. That... Doesn't sound like me, but it was. uh, But it was carpeted, so it's okay. Uh, Dragged me out of bed and tossed me down the stairs. Whoops. Uh, When I I wouldn't get up and go to church. Let that be a lesson. Let that be a lesson. Uh, And finally, started calling me Red Bandit when I got my eyebrows waxed. (laughs) Because it it was really red right here, and it was so funny, man. It was so, she was so embarrassed. Ah, some serious psychological damage happened to my older sister that day, but it was hilarious, and we still call her Bandit. Now, why do I tell you this? Because this week we are talking about a brother. In fact, we're talking about the brother of the guy that we talked about last week. And so to recap, I actually need three volunteers. So Noah, you're one of them. Uh, Ken, and then I need a male leader. Bill, yeah, definitely Bill. Bill was raising his hand. I didn't see any other male leader that was raising his hand. Okay. Now, this is for you. This is for you. And Bill, this is for you. So now, go ahead. Bill, you want to kind of stand behind him as if we were taking a family picture? Yeah. And so here, scoot over so you guys can, so you can see your, there we go. Yeah, there we go. So last week, we talked about the younger son. And we talked about how he took his father's inheritance money and he ran away with it. So you can just go stand on the far end of the stage. Not off the stage, but close. Because this younger son hits rock bottom, right? Remember, he wasted all of his father's money, hits rock bottom, is living in, like, on the streets, ends up working at a farm, has to eat the pig food at this farm. Not a good situation. So he decides, well, I could go back home and at least I would be able to work there as a servant and have like a bed and 
not pig food. So he starts to make his way back home, knowing that he would never be able to be as close to his father as he once was, but hoping he could at least be a servant. So probably about here. About here. But in the plot twist of the century, the father goes out to him and embraces him like the son that he is. Yes. Great. Yes. And... And not only does he say, not only does he not allow him to be a slave, but, and you can come back this way, but he throws a huge party for him. I mean, this is a legit party. The scripture tells us that you can, that they heard music and dancing, which to hear dancing is, that must be pretty loud. I mean, it's a pretty crazy party. And the younger son's getting to, he's like wearing his father's like nicest clothes. He's got a new ring on his finger. It's his father's ring. He's got uh, some new shoes from his father. It's great. There's good food. There's good music. There's good dancing. It's legit. But there's one person missing at this party, and it's the older son. So go ahead and stand over there. It's the older son. And now scripture tells us that the older son was, had been out working in the fields all day, like he had done every day for all of his life. And so then when he comes back at the end of the day, he doesn't even know what's going on, and he doesn't even know that his brother has returned home. Now, and, th- and that's where we are going to pick up. But the reason I had these guys come up here briefly, just to show you, is that I want you to know before we even get anywhere that the older son, while he technically stayed home and he was a faithful worker to his father, was just as far from the love of his father as the younger son was when he ran off and wasted all of his father's money. Okay? So big round of applause for our volunteers. Guys, I'll take those. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are great fathers and sons. So I'm now going to read Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 and it's going to be on the screen, and we're not going to do the, the, we're both reading together, but what I do want to do is there is a little bit of background noise that I've brought with me so that we can help, we, to help us kind of get into the setting of this loud and crazy party, okay? So do we have the background noise you can play? So you can hear a little dancing, some people, some chatter, some chatter, okay? Now, follow along with me on the screen and refrain from dancing. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Stop rapping. So he called one of the servants, and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are with me always and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thank you. That's good for the music. Now, as we can see, the older brother is not happy. 
He's upset that the father is treating the son like nothing happened, and that he's just welcoming him in as if he was, had just gone out to get groceries or something. And so he says to his father, I, I don't even get a young goat. What's the deal? I, I, like the, the younger son, he doesn't even want this huge, big thing. He just wants something. He just wants something, which speaking of this, this fattened calf language, this is like the best calf, the best cow that this father has. And if you're hearing me talk about like farm animals and all that stuff, and I'm using the wrong terminology, forgive me. I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to farm stuff. But this calf was legit. I know that. Okay? This is a huge deal. It would have been only used in the rarest of occasions. I mean, family coming in from out of town wasn't getting it. If royalty was having to pass through and stay the night there, they weren't getting it. There was good chance that they would have never used it rather than they would have used it. But the father has finally found a good enough reason to use and kill and eat this calf. So shouldn't he be happy? I mean, his brother's home, right? Like, that's great. But he's not. And actually, he's furious, and he's refusing to go into the party, and he's just going to stand outside and sulk. He's like, oh, you're not going to celebrate me? Awesome. I don't even care. I'm gonna, you're going to hate it. I'm going to make you hate this party. And he doesn't want to go in. He's throwing this pity party for himself, because, and he can't get his eyes off of himself to see how amazing it is that his brother is home. So then what's wrong with this situation? Because on paper, the older son has been perfect, Right? He never left. He's been a faithful, hardworking son. And he doesn't complain either. So on paper, he's been perfect. But it's in his response to his father where we see how he's wrong. He says, hey, hey, hey. My brother comes home. This, this son of yours comes home. And he gets this huge party and I get nothing? And notice that the language he uses, isn't, he doesn't even call him his brother. He says, this son of yours comes home. And he gets this huge party, this calf, and I get nothing? What's the deal? I've been good. The older son fails in this. He fails in thinking that his own good works would earn his father's love. He fails in thinking that that all these long years of doing his job would earn him his father's love. But he fails in this, that the father has already given him all of his love. So there's no work or earning needed. And so the father goes out to him while he's having a pity party outside. The father should have been embarrassed that he was having to leave and go outside to get his son. If you've ever done that, which probably none of you ever have, if you've ever not refused and got to go do something and then your parent has to come out and be like, come on, come in. That's embarrassing. So the father should be mad. He should be embarrassed. But he goes out and instead goes out to his son in love and pleads with him. He begs his own son. Think about that. Think about your dad or your grandpa or your mom begging you. That doesn't happen. That's kind of a, a rare thing, especially in this culture. But he pleads with him. He tells him, son... Everything I had was already yours. But your brother was dead. We, he was gone. And so the only thing that made sense in my mind to do was to celebrate. That was the only thing that seemed the proper, the, the, the only response that seemed correct. And then the story ends. 
That's it. Jesus just drops this huge cliffhanger on us. How does it end? What happens with the older brother? What happens with the little brother? Do they, do they like, are they fine? Do they become good bros again? Does the father, do they go back in? Is the dancing fun? Like what, do they live happily ever after? Probably not. We don't know. We don't know because Jesus just ends this story and immediately in Luke chapter 16, a different story is starting to be told. Why? Well, I think it's because Jesus told us all that he needed to tell us, right? Like, it was intentional. It was intentional because Jesus didn't want us so focused on the resolution of the sons, what happens when they came back, and and if they were good brothers again. He doesn't, that's not the point. Because ultimately, the story isn't even about the sons. Just like the stories we've talked about in the past weren't about the sheep or the coin or the younger son. It's always been about the one searching. And this week, just like the other one, just like last week, it's about the father. It's about the father going out to the both sons whom he equally loves and inviting them in to this party, inviting them into this dinner table. Because in the same way that the father goes out to his sons in this story, God, our heavenly father, is extending this invitation to you and I to come and sit at this table with him. We keep talking about this table language because that's what Jesus talks about in this story. That the father has set a table and it's for everyone. Everyone can sit at this table. There's enough room and everyone's name is at a place at this table. The the son fails in thinking that in order to sit with his father, in order to get the love of his father, he has to do all of these good things to get his father to love him. But his father never wanted just his actions. He just wanted him, period. So the, the worth of his son doesn't come from his faithful work. And it goes the same with you. Whatever you have, whatever you have come up with in your mind, that you have to work to, to get the respect and love of others is wrong. Because your worth and your value comes from God and not your achievements or the good things that you do. Listen to me. You can have the greatest report card in the world. You can be the greatest athlete in the world. You can have the most likes and most followers in the world. You can wear all of the makeup in the world. You can be the best, most obedient kid in the world, and God will not love you anymore for it. God doesn't love you because of what you can offer him. He just loves you, period. You can't add to God's love for you. And I don't want you to hear me telling you that God doesn't love you or, or that, that we shouldn't do anything, because that's not the case either. But think about how freeing it is that your actions isn't what dictates how much God loves you or not. How awesome you are is, or God's love for us is not dependent on how awesome we are. Thank goodness, right? Because if it was, he wouldn't love us. Because there's a lot of things that we do, most of the things that we do, that aren't awesome. God's love for you is inexhaustible. It doesn't even kind of dip when he chose a lot of love. It didn't even dip when Jesus died on the cross. It just stayed at this level that we can't even begin to understand. You can be the best person this world has ever seen, and it will do nothing to change God's love for you. 
So don't spend your life working for something that you can't add to or take away from. God's love for us is not dependent on our actions. He doesn't love you more for that good thing that you did yesterday, and he doesn't love you less for that bad thing that you did today. His love for you remains constant, and it's not dependent upon you. And you want to know what else? God isn't looking for a completed good deeds checklist from you. I know that's how we think sometimes. All right, um, I, uh, I made my bed this morning. Nice. I was nice to my sister. I, di- I, I thought about reading my Bible. I didn't, but I thought about it. So that's kind of like a half good deed. I sat with that kid at lunch. These aren't bad things, but God's love is not dependent for you upon those. When we think we earn the love of God by our good deeds, by the good things that we do, we begin to think that God owes us a good life, just like the older brother thought that his father owed him a good life. But then what happens? When something bad happens, when we lose someone we love, when life seems to kind of fall apart around us, when we get really hurt, we begin to think that God is gone or cruel because if God did exist, then this wouldn't be happening because I've been awesome and he owes me a good life. Or maybe more commonly, you think, man, God must be mad at me or God must hate me when I sin or something because my, God's love for me is dependent on how many good things I do. That's just not the case. Jesus is calling us to something greater than that. He's calling us to go to school knowing the love that God has for us and extending it to others. He's calling us to sit down at this table that he has set for us and to bring as many people with us as we can. So he's calling us to notice that kid at school that's getting bullied and to show him the love of Jesus, to love him by telling him about Jesus. Because here's the reality. The greatest act of love that you could ever do for anyone is tell him about Jesus, period. There isn't even a close second. So maybe it's showing Jesus to that kid that's getting bullied. Or maybe it's showing Jesus to that kid who is the bully. Right? Or maybe it's just not being a bully anymore and stop being a jerk to kids at school. Because whether it's the bullied or the bully or the the son that wanders or the son who stays, it doesn't matter because Jesus loves every single person in this room and and we have to tell people about that. There isn't a person in this room, there isn't a person on your team, at your school or at your house that doesn't need the love of Jesus. From the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we read about the story of Cain and Abel. And in this story, Cain and Abel both bring these offerings to God, hoping that that they can show God that they desire a relationship with him, that they want to know him. But then all of a sudden, what happens? Maybe you know this story. God accepts Abel's offering, and he doesn't accept Cain's. And Cain gets really mad. He gets really mad at God, and he gets really mad at Abel. And God tries to warn him. He says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Don't let it in. But Cain does, and he betrays the trust of his brother Abel, and he murders him in a field. First murder in human history. And then, surprise, surprise, God notices. 
And he, go, and he says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain infamously replies, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God looks at him and he says, what have you done? Because in God's response to Cain and in, his God, in the word of God throughout the, all of the rest of scripture, we see that God's response is absolutely, you are your brother's keeper. God is telling us in this story and in the rest of Scripture that we are responsible for those around us to tell them about the love of Jesus, to tell them about this heavenly Father that loves them. So there's two sons in this story, and they were both wrong. They both misunderstood the love of their father. But the good news is is that there's the third son who told the story, the son who set the example for us, what it looks like to go out and get those you love. Jesus, the son of God, who looked at his father and he said, I'll take his punishment, I'll take his place, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back till I get them. Jesus is the true older brother. So stop looking at your own goodness and look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus died for you. Look at his life for you. Look at what he says about you and live out of that. Stop trying to build yourself up by your own good deeds. It won't work. It hasn't worked. The older brother not only failed in misunderstanding the love of his father, but he misunderstood his role as a brother. Because the younger brother simply needed someone to go and find him and remind him of the truth, to remind him of who he was and to bring him home, to remind him that before he was this squandering servant that was crawling around in the dirt, he was the son of a loving father. There are people at your schools, there are people on your teams, there are people at your house, there are people next to you right now that do not know the love of their heavenly father. Don't waste a moment. Will you be your brother's and your sister's keeper? Because God has given us this tremendous responsibility because the table is set and the party is bumping and God has invited all of us to this table and he's asked us to bring our friends. Let's pray. God, thank you for not loving us based on what we do right. God, your love for us is bigger than our minds could ever be. God, thank you for the story that we read in Scripture of two lost sons. A son that doesn't trust the love of his father, that just wants to run away and seek the things of the world to find that they're empty. And the son that leans into his own good deeds, thinking that that will earn him the love of the father. And both are wrong. Both find that their paths are empty, God. But we see in the example of your son, Jesus that the path, God, that you have laid out for us is not one of our own striving, but is one of simply trusting you and coming to the table that you have prepared for us.
God, thank you for loving us. God, help us to take that love seriously and let it change our lives so that we may go out and tell others about it. Because you have given us that responsibility and God, let us not waste it. God, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.